Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. All right, one quick story before we go into how to study a little bit more. Welcome back, Scriptorians. It's January 2020, and we are headed into First Nephi, the moment you have all been waiting for. Hey, welcome back. I want to welcome especially our U.S. and Canadian listeners. You guys are the stalwarts, and I appreciate your, your listening and your comments. Uh, also, we've got a lot from, I've never mentioned, Ireland. So thanks, Ireland. So those are uh, some of our listeners that have been joining us. We are headed in to the text of the Book of Mormon, and I could not be more excited. Uh, and so let me lay out what I think we're going to do here for this next week. It's a little bit different than we've been doing for the New Testament, just because the text is different. Um, so because we have so much material, I have put together about, I think, about a four-part outline for First Nephi. And, and so we're going to do some all abouts, but they'll be a little bit different. So let me tell you which ones we're going to do, and, and you can jump around and listen to them as you like. Uh, please listen to them all. However, if there's some, if you don't like history or, or you really love literary criticism or whatever, you can jump to that one. So here's what I'm thinking for the four. The first one that we're going to do today is we'll really do kind of Lehi's record. So it'll be a little bit more of the history, the context, the what's happening. Now, you remember that the Lehi record is gone, the uh, 116 pages, and so Nephi is not going to copy all of that, and so he's just going to allude to some of it. So we're going to kind of lay some of the groundwork for that in part one. We'll call that Lehi's record. The second is Lehi's visions, plural. So we're going to talk about the different visions that he's had and some of the meanings and background, and it is absolutely awesome. I I could just spend the entire year on these few verses, so join me for Lehi's visions in part two. Part three, I want to go on to kind of the theme, Nephi's theme, and I think that's going to see, we're going to see that in the last verse of chapter one of the tender mercies of the Lord, and I think we're going to see how Nephi is going to set out his structure of, of how the Lord deals with us, and, and he's going to do that in, in his portion of chapter one. Section four, I want to talk to how the text is going to tell us how to approach the text. So this is going to be some of the structure, the narrative, and some of the layout that we're going to see in First Nephi, the chapter breaks, and some of the things like that. I think it's going to show us, the text is going to tell us how to approach the text. It's going to tell us what's going on in the narrative. And this is, that sounds boring, but it's one of my favorite parts. So Lehi's record, Lehi's visions, Nephi's tenders mercies of the Lord, and the text itself. So those are going to be the four parts. It may be five. We'll just see how it goes. So join me as we jump into Lehi's record. 
All right. So this is, there's so much material here and I, I'll put some notes in the, uh, uh, the show notes and some of the places we're going to get some of this from. So a couple of uh, shout outs to some of my sources that have really taught me a lot. Um, and the first is Adam Miller edits, uh, a dream, a rock, a pillar of fire. It's a series of articles. You get Joe Spencer Miller, uh, Julie Smith, a number of people, really great articles in there on first Nephi one. That one is the first one I would recommend, uh, take a look at. And I will uh, reference that in the show notes. Uh, the second one is the Book of Mormon Reader's Edition by Grant Hardy. This is just the different layout that you'll see where it's a little more paragraph form. It's a little bit easier to read before Orson Hyde broke it into verses and, and things. And so it just flows a little bit different. Same, it's the same scripture, but I, I like the, uh, the way that reads. So there's that. Also, there is a PDF also by Grant Hardy. And, uh, and then there's also one by... Uh, Welch from Farms, and it was how the plates and the records are done, and there's one on the plates of brass, so kind of a little chart picture PDF of what kind of became the Book of Mormon, the different references, and it's complex, but it's really easy to see in these graphs, and then there's the second one, again, the second one is the um, Grant Hardy one and the contents of the plates of brass, what what were this record that Lehi's going to get, so I will make a, uh, a some notes to those so that you have those if and that helps you in your study. That's kind of where I'm getting some of my stuff. And as always, a big shout out to Joe Spencer and his work. Um, just amazing uh, teacher down at BYU. All right, so Lehi's history. Let's jump into the script, a couple of short verses themselves, and then we'll break it apart. So flip over to First Nephi with me now. So this is 1 Nephi 2. So we're going to come back to 1 Nephi 1, but since I'm going to start with Lehi, I want to come back to 1 Nephi 2. And I just please, this is such great stuff. I have so many thoughts. I know you two too. I wish we had a better forum for a, a, a roundtable or a discussion on this. But um, since we're doing Lehi, let's start there. And it says, verse. I'm actually going to do 1 Nephi 4. I'm sorry, 1 Nephi 4. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, the king of Judah, my father Lehi, having dwelt in Jerusalem in all his days. And in that same year, there came many prophets prophesying unto the people that they must repent or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. Okay, that's 1 Nephi 1, 4. And so as we lead into 1 Nephi, remember that the original Book of Mormon that Joseph Smith had had what we call the lost 116 pages were the record of Lehi. <clears throat> and so he's, Nephi is only going to refer just very uh, generally to what's there because he's saying, hey, this is already there. And, and so we don't get a lot, but let's see what we can recreate from this verse because it's going to make a lot more sense to what is going to go on in First Nephi is Lehi's story. So Let's talk about that. So the first thing he told us was uh, a couple of interesting points. Remember that he, Lehi, is at this point not a prophet. He's just a guy, and it says he lives in Jerusalem all of his days. Now, Jerusalem, and, and, this, and it's in the first, the commencement of the first year of the king. Now, that tells us exactly when that was, which was 597 B.C. And you'll see that in your notes in the Book of Mormon, 597 B.C. So we know a lot about what was happening in 597 B.C. And in fact, I would say about half the book of uh, the Old Testaments of the book are written right around in this time. So if you look at that giant stack of books in your Old Testament, it's all around these timelines. So 
Um, give me a minute while I do a quick recap of what was happening at that period of time. In 597 BC, the, the kingdoms have been split for quite a while at this point. So the 10 tribes are in the north, sometimes called Ephraim, sometimes called uh, the northern kingdom. And they were, uh, that's where you see the 10 tribes. So they're already gone. They've been sacked and taken away by the Assyrians at this point. And so um, coming into that, in the hundred or so years before that, you're going to see that that was when you had prophets like um, Amos teaching, Isaiah was teaching during this time, uh, Jonah was called at this time, uh, Nahum is probably called at this time. So there's a bunch of prophets teaching. At this time, Amos actually goes to the north. Uh, Isaiah and some of the rest are down in the south. Now, the south is the Jerusalem part. So Jerusalem is pretty much the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Um, pretty much Judah, Benjamin um, got kind of was really small and also had a rough time after Saul. He was from there and an event right around that time. So it's pretty much Judah. So that means... Now, if you remember, who was Lehi and what tribe was he from? And we learn later that he is from Manasseh. So Manasseh is one of the northern tribes. It's one of the tribes of Joseph. And so if he's from Manasseh, what is he doing all of his days in Jerusalem? So he's an, he's an immigrant, right? He, that is not his native land, that his family lands would have been up north, but either because of whatever reason they may have just emigrated there um or it may have been from the assyrian occupation that his family came south but it sounds like they grew up and lived for a long time here in jerusalem but that that is odd in itself and if you read half of the new testament and like the book of leviticus it's how to get back to your own native lands and quit selling them off and all kinds of things so that one's interesting but also it tells us a couple of other things that are happening in that period of time, there was a lot of political, geopolitical problems. The Assyrians had come in. They had taken over the north. They were very warlike, um, and that's where you get uh, Aramaic being spoken, and that just goes through that whole region, and they are something else. I mean, this is a world superpower at the time. You're going to get the Babylonians are right on their tail. Now, they're the Neo-Babylonians. The original Babylonians are really, really, really old. You read about them in Genesis. And this is the Neo-Babylonians. We just call them the Babylonians for ease. And this is when you get people like uh, in Daniel's record. So in Daniel, he kind of crosses both these periods. So Daniel uh, starts with the Assyrians, and you get Nebuchadnezzar in his story, and then goes into the Babylonians. And then the Babylonians don't last very long, and they're taken over by the uh, Mede-Persian Empire, like Cyrus, and those some that you might have heard of. I know, lots of history going on. But there is just a lot of turmoil. The other thing that happens that they talk about, uh, one of the things that they won't mention, but has just happened besides all these kings uh, and these differing superpowers, is that the Josiah's reform. So there's a King Josiah in about 623. So only about 30-ish years before this exact time that we're talking about Lehi, there had been a big reform and in Jerusalem. So we're back to just talking about, mostly you'll only talk about Jerusalem going forward. The northern tribes are pretty much gone. And in this reform, in 2 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles 34, you hear about what happened. And it is worth your time. So go and read those right now. It'll take you like five minutes. So go read 2 Kings 22 and 2 Chronicles 34. Great story. I went back and read them, so I'm going to pause, and you're going to go do that right now. Okay, so... 
the quick version is that Josiah is a young king and he is put in charge and he takes some of the workers from the north actually it says in chronicles and they like Ephraimites and Manassehites and they they start um, taking donations he's trying to kind of help them out and then they take the donations and they give them to the workers of the temple in chronicles it calls them the Levites and they start to repair the temple wait what you know this gives you another amazing insight when you think of this time I always kind of think of like the Old Testament time like it was one solid group of people and yes there was political intrigue but there was always some kind of stability and if if this is there's a reform coming and Josiah has to clean the temple and then we're going to find out about a book that they find this law and they're going to reestablish the law get rid of idolatry and reestablish obedience to the covenant and reestablish the Passover which you just read um, it gives me a different feeling than what I had always kind of envisioned. I don't know what, why I envisioned that, but I always thought that it was like, oh yeah, this temple was there and the kings were there and there were some good and bad ones, but it was always really stable. This makes it seem like, no, the practice of uh, following uh, God, Yahweh, ha- had dissolved, had fallen apart into disrepair. So there's this time of apostasy that had come on the people, which we know happens because they get sucked away into um, exile. And and yet when they go there, they're like, oh yeah, we got to like reinstitute some of the temple practices and we should like clean it up and we should get the Levites to do it. Oh yeah, those are the guys who were assigned to do that stuff. And even talks about them getting the musical instruments, which is part of the practice. It's part of the liturgy. It's part of the ritual that happened at the temple, which means they probably weren't doing it. So not only do they have to clean it up and do repairs, they have to reinstitute the liturgy. What was happening? And then they say, oh, we got to get rid of all this idolatry. So they have just left the covenant alt in so many ways. And it seems like a surprise. Like they're like, oh yeah, I, I didn't even really realize this is what we were supposed to be doing. So you get this sense that it had really, the an apostasy had really happened, really happened. So this was the seedbed that Lehi is going to grow up in is just, you know, just a few uh, decades right before this. So as he comes into this, then Josiah gets a copy of the law. They say, hey, we found a copy of the law. Now, some people believe this is Deuteronomy. Some people believe that this is when Deuteronomy, the ink was still wet on Deuteronomy. Oh, look, we found, just happened to find a copy of the law here. Um, either way, Deuteronomy is brilliant. And they read it to Josiah, the king, the young king. And it says he tears his clothes. He tears his clothes. He rends his clothes. That is a sign of repentance and remorse and change. So I want you to remember that. Okay, so remember the elements that we've discussed. Just very brief. Lori's very brief history of uh, about 600 BC, Josiah's reform. The kingdoms are split. There are large superpowers but the the nature of the religion is it's it's been apostatized, right? It's fallen away. They're, they're, they've forgotten the covenant. They don't have the scriptures, right? Because they find a book. So this book is going to be very important. Uh, they also, there's an element of repentance by somebody. In this case, it was Josiah's story, rends his clothes. There's, a, there's repentance, a book, apostasy, and then a renewal of the covenant. So Josiah gets the people together and they renew the covenant, young and old, as well as reestablish obedience. So, um, so I made some notes, a book, repentance, obedience. There's going to be a teaching covenant. And in um, Lehi's story, we're going to see an additional 
additional ad of a Messiah. Okay, so, but that is Josiah's story that you just read in Second Kings and Second Chronicles. And so there's this these amazing elements. And that would have only happened in Jerusalem a couple of decades before Lehi. So definitely in the common consciousness of what was going on. And yet, does it seem like it hit? Did it, t- did it take? Um, maybe not. Okay, so let's really briefly read 1 Nephi 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 again with that in mind and see else, what else we pick up. For it came to pass in the commencement of the first year of the reign of Zedekiah, the king of Judah. So this is about 597, so just 20, 30 years after Josiah's perform. My father, Lehi, having dwelt in Jerusalem in all his days, well, yeah, because he's an immigrant, because no one's living in the north, and in that same year, there came many prophets. Why? Why were there so many prophets? And multiple prophets? Hmm, make a note of that. Prophesying unto people that they must repent, or the great city Jerusalem must be destroyed. Okay, so... Now that has a lot more poignancy, right? Kind of remembering all that history and what was going on. Now we learn from our friend um, Nephi about the apostasy and the general uh, destruction of Jerusalem. So we kind of know that part of the story, but we might forget our Old Testament a little bit. So the other thing is it says many prophets, many prophets. Um, Does that strike you as different? I want to turn that word a little bit and and consider do we think a little bit different about prophets i think sometimes we do we use a word interchangeably that they probably wouldn't have and then we're used to the idea of a prophet as also being the president of the church where a while he is a prophet as well as the apostles are prophets the role of the president of the church is is an assignment administrative assignment where they would maybe have a king or a judge but then the prophet is a different, the, the prophet is a calling to prophesy, to teach, to call to repentance. My favorite term I've ever heard for the prophets, when you think of them um, in this period of time and today, they're a covenant watchdog. They're going to turn us back to the covenant. And so when you say there are lots of them, there were. Now, if you read Second Kings 22 and Second Chronicles, you're going to say, who was the prophet they took this book to? We'll come back to this in part three. Her name is Huldah. They go to a woman prophet. Who can interpret a book? The prophet. A prophet. And so they go to a prophet, and it's a woman. Amazing. Awesome. I love that story, and it is worth your study to go and study what Huldah is going to say about the book, and then we're going to learn about Lehi gets a book in, in the next part. But just go read Second Kings uh, 22 again and Second Chronicles 34 because you're going to read about a prophet who's going to teach, turn to repentance, um, interpret the book, and give additional uh, sayings of the Lord. That from the, it's gonna, uh, you know from a leapfrog off of that text, the text doesn't say that, and then says this is what the Lord is going to say, and we're going to see the same thing in the Book of Mormon. You're going to see those same principles. A prophet is the person who's going to interpret and give additional instructions, and then when we repent and are obedient and going to teach us and bring us back to the covenant. So there you go. That is the first part. That's just one verse of. First Nephi 1, 
uh, Lehi, kind of we're just going to start with Lehi's history in the Book of Mormon. All right, next time, let's, um, let's jump on next time, Lehi's visions. We're going to just keep going right through five. And this, I think we're going to have to have more than one because I only got through one verse. So join me on the most exciting First Nephi one. Thank you.